We are on Gimel Amar Aleph, the very last line of Gimel Amar Aleph, 3A3 in the article Gemara. The Gemara now, until now, has been has been asking questions about the language of the Mishnah, and we have one final question on the language of the Mishnah, and that's what we will cover in today's recording. The Gemara asks on the Mishnah, it says, Uminyana duration mutimai, Uminyana disafil mutimai. There, there's a list of 15 women who, if they if they become your sister-in-law, there's an exemption from Yibam and Chalitza because they're related to you in some other way. The Gemara asks, okay, well, we could count it ourselves. There are 15 women. So why did the Mishnah have to say Chamesh Nashim in the beginning, 15 women in the beginning, and then also at the end it says Hare Elipotros. These are the ones that are exempt from Yibam and Chalitza it's obvious. It told us in the beginning that these are the ones that are exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. It seems to imply that we're coming to exclude others whom we may have thought that they are exempt, but they are really not exempt. So again, the question is, is it's two questions. One is on the beginning. Why did it tell us 15 women? Because the Mishnah is very concise. They're very, they, they, they only mention that which they have to mention. So it seems repetitive. We can count that as 15 women. So why did I mention the number 15 that tells us there are 15 women that are exempt from Yibam and Chalitza? And then the second question is, why did I mention at the end that these are the women that are exempt? If in the beginning it already said these are the women that are exempt. It must be, as the Gemara is about to answer, must be that it's coming to exclude two different cases. One case from the first part of the Mishnah, another case from the end of the Mishnah, from the two questions. Two cases that you might have thought have an exemption, but they really do not have an exemption. And we're going to go through uh, these cases. Now, it's just important to note that as we go through the cases, we will explain the cases themselves. However, uh, these cases will come out, come up later on in the tractate. So we're not going to go into detail as to why there is an exemption here, or why you would have thought there's an exemption here, or why others think that there's an exemption here. Uh, we're not going to go into the specific details of why this is so, that we'll leave for in a couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll just explain the cases themselves. So why why is there what would what are the cases that you would have thought have an exemption, but they really do not have an exemption? So the Gemara first answer is moving on to Gimel and Base, the three B one in the art scroll. It's coming to exclude two opinions that are found later on in the Gemara. And there are two opinions that say that in the following cases there really uh, is an exemption of Yibam and Chalitza. Rav, Rav is of the opinion that a case of Tsarasota has an exemption from Yibam and Chalitza. The case of Tsarasota is as follows, that uh, a person's brother who passes away without children is married to two women. One of the women is a Sota. Sota is a woman who uh, committed adultery, who uh, had had sexual relations with another man while she was married. And so the law is that this woman who is a sota is forbidden to her husband, i.e. forbidden to the brother before the brother passed away. This happened before the brother passed away. And so she's forbidden to her husband. According to Rav, certainly she is, that woman is exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. She's already forbidden to her husband. She's also exempt from the, the brother, the brother who's alive from doing Yibam and Chalitza to her. But in addition to that, the tsara, the co-wife, is also exempt. That's the opinion of Rav. And so our Mishnah is telling us 
that we dis- the Mishnah disagrees with Rav that really the co-wife is not exempt from Yibum and Chalitza. The second case is the Rav Asi. Rav Asi is of the opinion that Tsaras Islandis is also exempt from Yibum and Chalitza. The case of Tsaras Islandis is that I have a brother who uh, dies without any children, married to two women. One of the women is an islandist. Is somebody? This is something that we had in, right in the Mishnah. It's it's a woman who is not able to have children. So if she's not able to have children, she's exempt from Yibum and Chalitza. But not only is she exempt, but also her co-wife is also exempt according to Ravasi. Our Mishnah is coming to tell us that no, only the 15 women that are listed in the Mishnah are exempt, but a Tsaras Islandist, a co-wife of an Islandist, of somebody who cannot have children, they're not able to have children, is not exempt. They're not exempt from Yibum and Chalitza. So those are the two cases. The case of the co-wife of the woman who committed adultery. And the, also the co-wife of the islandess, of the woman who's not able to have children, are Mishnahs of the opinion that they really are not exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. Again, the details as to why you would say one way or the other will leave for later. So there were now answers. Okay, that's fine if you're not within these opinions. But let's first let's now figure out, according to these opinions, that these are rabbis, Rav and Ravasi are rabbis from the times of the Gemara. They're called Amoraim. And so... They have to explain the Mishnah. The Mishnah, they have to explain how the Mishnah fits with them. So, okay, we explain the Mishnah not according to them, but according to these opinions that really they do, they are of the opinion that Tsaras Sota and Tsaras Islandis, these two cases, have an exemption. So then, So then, what, why does, according to their opinion, why is there these two statements in the Mishnah which imply that there's some sort of uh, it's coming to exclude some case. What are the other cases that it's coming to exclude where you would have thought that maybe there is an exemption, but there really is not an exemption? So what, what, what are those cases according to Rav and Ravasi? Because it can't be referring to their to, to Tsarasoth and Tsaras Islandis because Rav and Ravasi are of the opinion that there is an exemption in that case. So so let's first take, the Gemara says, well, we have to divide this into two different scenarios. If you take the scenario that Rav and Ravasi agree to each other, meaning they are both of the opinion that for each one of these cases that we just described, there's an exemption. So now we have to come up with two cases. What are those two cases where there's really not an exemption? Here are the following two cases. And again, we're not going to discuss the reasons behind it, but we'll just describe the cases. One is a case of a tsaris mima'enes. It's the co-wife of the following scenario. Uh, my, a person's brother passes away without any children. He's married to two women. He dies. Okay, he dies. And then one of the women is really under the age of 12. And as we described in the Mishnah, if you're under the age of 12, you have the right to back out of the marriage if it's a rabbinic marriage. It could be a rabbinic marriage in different ways, but the, the classic way is if uh, the girl who's under 12, the father passes away. And so the father originally had the had the right to marry off his daughter under 12 on a biblical level. The mother now, after the father passes away, the mother can marry off the daughter under the age of 12 on a rabbinic level. Not on a biblical level, but on a rabbinic level. And so she married her off to this husband who passed away. Now you have this girl who's under the age of 12 who has this potential to do yibum with the husband's brother, with the brother that's alive. And so what does she do? She does miyun. She does the, the concept that we had before of miyun, where she basically backs out of the marriage. She has the right, this 
this child, this girl, has the right to back out of the marriage as long as she's not, she didn't reach the age of 12 yet. And so she backs out of the marriage. Okay. Out of the marriage, not with her original husband who passed away, but out of the marriage with the brother who's alive. So she backs out of that marriage, and the, and she's allowed to do that. The law is that the co-wife of that original marriage with the, with the brother who passed away, that co-wife is now also exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. Without getting into the details why, but this is just, uh, this is true, that uh, you you would have thought, sorry, you, you would have thought that there's an exemption, but really it's not an exemption, we require Chalitza. We require Chalitza in that case, that if you have the co-wife of a girl who's under the age of 12 who backs out of the marriage with the Yavam, with the brother who's alive, then the co-wife is not exempt. That's what the Mishnah is coming to tell us, that it's not exempt, and she still has to do Chalitza. We make her do Chalitza. She doesn't do Yibam, but we make her do Chalitza. What's the second case? According to Rav and Ravasi, so the second case where you would have thought that there's an exemption here, but there really isn't, is the following case, where a brother passed away without any children. She, he's married to two women. One of the women is he was first married to, and then they got divorced. This woman then went ahead and married somebody else. Then they got divorced, or in that second marriage, the husband died. And then she comes back to her first husband, who is the one that passes away. So she comes back to this first husband. So this is what we call Magzir Rushaso. This is actually uh, a, a, a forbidden relationship. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to do this. The law is that if, uh, if a woman's married, if a man is, is married to a woman, they get divorced. And she goes ahead and marries somebody else. And then in that second marriage, that second marriage also uh, falls apart, either from the death of the husband or through divorce. She is not allowed to return back to her first husband. It's a prohibition. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to come back to your first husband. If they get divorced, so then she's allowed to go back. But if she goes ahead and marries somebody else, and then after she marries somebody else, she's not allowed to return back to her first husband. That is a that is a prohibition. But that's what happens here. They they. They, they violated the Torah law. And so this brother was married to somebody that he was previously married to. She, in the meantime, married somebody else and then came back to him afterwards. So there's a prohibition there, but they, they are uh, legally married. And there's also another co-wife. There's just uh, there's an, uh, another wife there who's the co-wife. And so in that scenario also, where if the brother passes away and he's married to two women, one of the women is this scenario that we were just discussing of Master Grushasa, where she married somebody else and then came back to the first husband, who passed away, so then that co-wife, you might have thought, is exempt from Chalitza Yibam, but really, she does, she is obligated in in uh, Chalitza, in, in, she's not exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. Okay, so those are the two cases according to Rav and Ravasi. Again, just to review, those cases are the co-wife of a girl who's under the age of 12, who does Mion, not to her original husband, but to the Yavam, to the brother who's currently alive basically backs out of the marriage. So the co-wife is not exempt. She has to do chalitza. And then the second case is a case of Magzirushaso where a, a man, the brother who passes away is married to two women. One of them is, is, is this case where they were originally married, then she they got divorced, then she married somebody else and then came back, which is a prohibition. And so the co-wife, you might have thought, is exempt from Yibam. No, and chalitza, the law is from our Mishnah, we see this from our Mishnah, the fact that it's not one of the cases in our Mishnah is that she still has to do Chalitza. She can't do Yubam, but she still has to do 
chalitza. Okay, that's all. That's why we need two cases if Rav and Ravasi agree to each other. So then we need two other cases, two cases where the Mishnah is trying to teach us that there's we're excluding those two cases. The Gemara then says, If Rav and Ravasi don't agree with each other, meaning Rav holds that in Ravasi's case, really... Uh, there is no exemption of Yibam Rechalitza. Or Rav Asi holds that in Rav's case, there is no exemption of Yibam Rechalitza. So then, the Gemara is just telling us, simply, that Rav could say that the Mishnah is coming to exclude Rav Asi's case, and one of the other cases that we just mentioned, one of those two other cases, and Rav Asi is coming to exclude Rav's case, and also one of the other two cases that we just mentioned that are also not part of the list of the Mishnah. Okay. That basically discuss that basically uh, explains why it is that in the Mishnah we have two different phrases which seem to imply that it's only these cases, not other cases. Implication is that there are two cases where you might have thought there's an exemption, there's really not an exemption, and we gave various cases uh, to which that would apply, where you might have thought there's a complete exemption from Yibam and Chalitza, and really it's not a complete exemption. Again, all these cases we will discuss uh, later on in the Masechta, in the Tractate. The Gemara has one final question, and with this we'll conclude. The Gemara asks, L'Rav L'Rav Asi, listen in who? According to Rav and Ravasi, again, just to review, Rav and Ravasi, Rav held that a Tzara Sota, if you're the co-wife of a Sota, of a woman who committed adultery, so then that Tzara, that co-wife, is exempt completely from Yibam and Chalitza. Ravasi held that a Tzara Islandist, if you are the co-wife of a woman who's not able to have children, you're also completely exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. So according to those two opinions, why isn't it, in the end of the day, why isn't it mentioned as part of our list of the of the 15? Why can't it be included in the list of the 15? So the Gemara answers, because right, it should fit within the list of the 15. The Gemara answers, Lefisha Enoch The reason why seems to be a technical explanation, that the reason why is because our mission is not just teaching us about the co-wife, that the co-wife has an exemption, but if you recall from the Mishnah, the Mishnah is really teaching us another case as well. What we call Tsaras Tsara, the co-wife of a co-wife. So just to review that case, that case is where you have three brothers. You have three brothers. The first, Ruven, Shimon, and Levi. Ruven is married to two women. Uh, let's say Sarah and Rachel. So Ruven is married to Sarah and Rachel. Sarah is the daughter of Shimon, of one of the brothers of Shimon. Now, uh, Sarah is the daughter of Shimon, so now Sar and Rachel, the, the two women, cannot do are exempt from Yibam and Chalitza to Shimon because Shimon is related to his own daughter and then to the co-wife also. There's an exemption from Yibam and Chalitza. However, Sar and Rachel could have Yibam with Levi, with the third brother. So Reuven dies without children. They could then, uh, Levi could do Yibam to Sarah or Rachel because they're not related directly to the third brother. So let's say that third brother does Yibam not to Sarah, not to the daughter of Shimon, but to the co-wife. So Levi does Yibam to the co-wife. So now Levi is married to Rachel. And Levi happens to have another wife also, Leah. Levi has another wife, Leah. So there's Leah and Rachel. And then Levi also passes away without any children. The law is that since Shimon was originally exempt from Yibam to, uh, to Rachel who's not his daughter, but was just the co-wife of the daughter. So then she's, he's also exempt from Yibam to the co-wife's co-wife, meaning Levi's other 
other uh, other wife because Levi had another wife. So even though it's not the daughter's not in the picture anymore, Levi didn't marry the daughter. But since the co wife of the daughter uh, had Yibam with Levi, so now and Levi passes now away without any children. So then so, uh, Rachel and Leah, since the co wife is married to Levi, so then the co wife's co wife, the other wife within Levi's uh, marriage is also exempt from Yibam or Chalitza to Shimon. Okay, that was the case that we had in the Mishnah. So that's, that's what the Mishnah is also coming to teach us. And in these two cases of Sota and of Islandness, this really, this cannot apply because there's a, there's a big difference here because the cases of the Mishnah are all cases of relatives. So it's possible to have three brothers. One of the brothers is married and passes away without any children. And the wife is related to one, to the second brother but not related to the third brother. You could be the daughter of the second brother, and you're, you're not clearly not the daughter of the third brother. So there's a scenario where there's even done to a third brother. That could exist. However, in our case here of Robin Ravasi, when you are a Tzara Sota, when you are the co-wife of somebody who committed adultery, so the woman who committed adultery cannot do even to any of the other brothers. She's basically, she committed adultery she, while she was married to the husband before he passed away. That marriage has been tainted, and so the co-wife also is exempt from all the brothers. There's no situation where they could go ahead and marry a different brother. And the same thing is true with the Taras Islandist. The Taras Islandist is the co-wife of, excuse me, of the woman who cannot have children. The woman who cannot have children cannot do even to any of the brothers because it's it's not about being related to one of the brothers. It's just that there's a, a certain certain issue with the original marriage, either because they committed adultery or because the woman cannot have children, and so therefore there's an exemption of Yibam, and so they cannot marry, that Yibam cannot be performed to any of the brothers. So just technically, these cases cannot fit within the Mishnah, because the Mishnah is, teaching, is also coming to teach us a case where one of these women, the co-wife, goes ahead and marries a third a third brother. But that that cannot exist within these two cases, and therefore it's not listed in the Mishnah. We will continue with the Gemara in the next recording.